0: Yeah, the, the big message is compete. It's compete um, to help us achieve our goal, and that's to be a championship-level
4: organization. Uh, the cool thing with, with uh, Pina coming in and, and talking to our group is he shared that message in terms of, one, how special Chicago is, two, the history of this organization and what it takes to, to be excellent. And our guys that were here, the rookies,
0: they ate it up.
4: Um, So I I love the fact that that was kind of the starting point. That was how they came out of the gates was to get a message from a player like, you know,
5: That's Ryan Poles discussing the need and importance of competition on the Chicago Bears roster. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. And the reason why we talk about competition is because, man, we just elevated the quarterback room. Uh, dude we did dude what is, is that mo- what happened i see that i saw that we're po- defining that <laughs> transaction hey man i'm i gotta be positive I, i've learned that you know <laughs> you and i on bears unleashed we, we, we find our positive spins any way we can initial hey. thoughts on the signing because we, i mean we already had uh initial thoughts on the signing at
6: it's a. I mean for the moment i, I suppose i call it a a non-entity uh at best you know it's you know what, to, to be real, I guess the, the way you framed it there as far as upgrading the, the quarterback room, that's that's fair. Uh, <laughs> obviously, no threat to, uh, to start over to compete with Justin Fields for the quarterback job. But that being said, uh, for whether it's your number two, likely number three quarterback, you, in theory, are better off uh, from a depth perspective now than you were yesterday. So that, that's a good thing. It's always good to improve the depth on your football team. Um, but, yeah, he's he's a punchline, and that's, that's not where you want to be uh, at any point in your professional endeavors, but that's what Nathan Peterman turned into. You know, a lot of folks might be listening in and, and find the name to sound familiar but maybe not quite be able to place uh, who or what or when. But, yes, he, he's that Nathan Peterman. He's a guy who – actually started over Josh Allen in Buffalo. Josh Allen's rookie season <laughs> in the opening game. Uh, Peterman, is, uh, he's been around the block a little bit in the NFL between the Bills and the Raiders. But, yeah, he's he's the guy that throws all the interceptions. He's the guy that in the first half of his first career starting out, to be fair, as a rookie on a Buffalo team that was bad at that time, Uh, But like five interceptions in the first half of a game, like back in, what was it, maybe like 2017, 2018, something like that. And that's just kind of, that's followed him ever since. And so every time Nathan Peterman is on the field in a game, folks are waiting for that next interception highlight. Or plural, interceptions, highlights, or lowlights, depending on which team you happen to be rooting for. But that being said, he has always been viewed as a guy with physical abilities, with some tools for the position, as a fifth-round pick, you, you you really weren't expecting him to be a guy that was expected to go in and perform well as a rookie in Buffalo, and he did not. Um, and since then, he's been a, a backup uh, the majority of the rest of the time that he's been in the NFL so far. But, you know, are, are you better off with, uh, with Nathan Peterman? On the roster than you were uh, having somebody else as your third string QB. Yeah, yes. So I, I I think your statement actually, while I kind of initially laughed it off, but in theory, you know, in actuality, yeah, your your depth at the quarterback position is better now with Nathan Peterman than it was without Nathan Peterman. So I suppose, in through that lens, that that's something where the Bears have worked to upgrade their roster. Uh, but yeah, if you if you got to put Nathan Peterman on the field, what we've seen from him up to this point in his career uh you you're probably you're that that's not as strong as you want to be at the position it's probably the the most fair way i can put it without disparaging you're being, being nice much. you're being super uh, yeah, nice I'm, I'm doing right what now i, I want can, to say like, that
5: I, I was being funny you're being nice and i'm like wow because i i look at it like this so, there's so many people that are like why does this guy still have a job but if you think about it second and third string quarterback in the nfl is probably like the most cake job you could possibly have right? You're there in the event of an emergency. No one expects much of you because you're a third-string quarterback. They don't want to waste the, you know, a draft pick in the fifth or sixth round to bring somebody mm-hmm. in who's probably not going to be that good anyway. But if you can have someone that can you know operate the offense, that's what you're essentially giving yourself right there. And if, for whatever reason, Justin Fields were to go down and you did have to put in Trevor Simeon, you do need someone to back up Trevor. So, I guess you got to do it. I mean, I, it's just, To me, I guess my question for you, Ann, is would you have rather them, I don't want to say wasted a pick, but used one of their picks <laughs> on, a, on a rookie that could have come in and maybe competed at a high level? Because Nathan Peterman, I mean, really? This guy? you know. So which would you have preferred in this? A veteran presence that could be there and handle the, the, the pressure because he's been in that moment regardless of his success level? Or would you have rather them use one of their draft picks on something like that?
6: It's a valid question. I think because the Bears went into the draft with only six picks, I was, I didn't go into the weekend expecting them to draft a quarterback. Now you get through, obviously they didn't have a day one pick. You get through day two. You use all three of those picks in the slots that they were at for guys who you're expecting to come in and be immediate starters slash key contributors, just depending on which. You know, actual position between defensive back receiver, and then you get to day three, and they did accumulate a lot more picks. So they come out of the draft having drafted eleven players in total. So could they have spent one of those late round picks on a QB? They certainly could have, but there are so many other places. The roster needed so much just volume of personnel that it didn't it certainly didn't feel necessary to go QB there. And you know, you have the ability to go out and get a, a veteran backup, somebody who can who can continue to be some sort of a presence for Justin Fields to just, frankly, just continue to set an example of, of preparation at the pro level, to be a sounding board for him, a guy who's been in action at this level. And even, you know, Nathan Peterman, you know, obviously hasn't performed at a high level when he's been in games, but there's still something to be said for being an experienced veteran in the NFL at that position in particular of quarterback and frankly he's just he certainly would be more more physically gifted more capable than a lot of the other you know late round picks that they could have looked at at that point so even just viewing it through the lens of if you do get to a point in the season where like we saw last year where Justin Fields maybe gets banged up has to leave the lineup at some point then you at least have a guy who you you feel like can come in and and move the ball and who in theory won't need a whole lot of work to get to get the the offense out of the huddle you know i mean as a third string qb and who knows you know second third string whatever he ends up being let's assume it's third string for the sake of this conversation then he's not going to get a whole lot of work in practice there's not going to be a lot of reps there so for the position the bears are in where you have a second year quarterback and justin fields is going to benefit from as many reps as much time in the meeting rooms as much time on the practice field and then we'll see matt eberflus my guess is Strikes me as the type of guy that's going to want fields to get some preseason work as well. Justin fields is going to be chewing up reps, you know? So you're not, you're not necessarily going to have backups who are getting a lot of work with these sort of quote unquote varsity. A great so point. to have a guy who's a, a veteran who at least kind of knows the ropes of the NFL and already has some game experience. Then you're not worried as much about trying to make sure that you, you are getting work for other people just in case other individuals have to come into the game. But you know, Certainly not going to sit here and act like Nathan Peterman is, is somebody who the Bears <laughs> may be able to count on. You know, he doesn't have that Nick Foles third-string resume. Like, all right, hey. at least he's been a Super Bowl MVP. That ain't Nathan Peterman, but that being said, he, he is a guy with with some physical tools for the position that at least you can say you, you have a guy who can who can come in and play, you know, and, and give you some sort of representative look of, of an NFL quarterback.
5: Nate, just come out with a uh, visor. You know, sun, sun, sunglasses, visor. Well, that's the thing, man. Everybody take you more serious because there's,
6: there's lumps that he's taken on the field that, like, you know, what you would prefer to be. Because I mean, you know, like you were talking about, man, to be a backup quarterback when you can do it for a long time, that's the place to be. Because there's only one of them on the field, so Justin Fields, in theory, is the guy who's going to be out there taking. All the lumps once the season gets here. And Nathan Peterman, he doesn't even, if he's the third string quarterback, he's not even going to have to be a guy who's out there running the scout team during the week. That's probably going to be Trevor Simeon if Simeon is the number two guy. So if you can make a career out of that being like number two, number three guy as a QB on the depth chart, yeah, you got to go out there and get your work in in the preseason. But then from there, you are the visor guy. You are the clipboard guy. You are the the extra mic guy. You know, you got the the headset with the play caller. You can communicate. You're kind of the, the extra assistant coach out there, the extra set yeah. of eyes through the quarterback lens. So if you can make that as a career a la Chase Daniels, and get paid handsomely to do that, then you're sitting pretty, man. But problem Nathan Peterman's got right now is because he's still in that, that punchline sort of mold. What you really got to be able to carve out is just to have like one or two games where – nobody's going to confuse you for being a top-flight quarterback where they really want to force you into the lineup consistently, but just have a few games where you don't embarrass yourself, where you make a (laughs) couple of plays and somebody's like, oh, yeah, this is somebody who can come in here and, like, enhance our meeting room. Maybe in a pinch he can make a couple of plays for us if he's got to run a few series. That's where you want to get to. You want to get to that mode where somebody always wants you on a roster but doesn't necessarily want you to start, man. If you can do that – For as long as Tom Brady's actually been a starter and a Hall of Fame player, now you're really cooking with gas. Of course, we're talking
5: about Nathan Peterman, the new signing of the Chicago Bears. He's Anthony Heron. I'm Gabe Ramirez. This is 670 The Score. Another name that has been in the news for the Chicago Bears has been Tariq Cohen with his letter to his younger self on the Players' Tribune. It made its way through my close-knit text group, because it it started, it was like a trickle-down effect. You know, someone put it in, and obviously when you have your group chats, people put in stuff all the time. Right. But, like, one person put it in, nobody really said anything. Then, like, 30 minutes later, it was like, did you guys read that? Did anybody read that? That was amazing. And uh-huh. then, like, 30, another 30 minutes later, it was like, wow, I just read that. Everybody needs to go read this. What were your initial thoughts? And, was, and how did you identify? I mean, because I, I, you're, you know, you're a former NFL player, and, I, mm-hmm. and I'm sure reading it, you probably took yourself to a place what was that like for you reading that letter to his younger self by Tariq Cohen?
6: It's a gripping read, man. It is, and especially because Tariq Cohen was—he he was one of the main highlights of the the Ryan Pace Matt Nagy era of Bears football that was just coming out of right now. And so to have him be featured in the Players Tribune and to be a guy who is still, you know, trying to make his return. From what ends up being an even more catastrophic knee injury than anyone publicly realized. So, you have just that, just through the football lens of what we have recently witnessed here publicly from a Chicago Bears voyeur perspective. It's like, man, how, you know, so many questions about why is it taking Tariq Cohen so long to return? Is he going to return? Has he had additional surgeries on the knee and all these things that. That Matt Nagy was always very cagey about that the Bears never really addressed in any detail publicly, and so it did. It just left this big cloud of 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 confusion and and concern and wonder around the end of Tariq Cohen's career with the Bears, who initially, as as a rookie and an All Pro returner, and really the the main weapon the Bears seemed to have going on offense that wasn't named Allen Robinson, and then it just it all fizzled season over season, and then ended. With him not being able to return from an acl injury that then also ended up being like a a broken knee essentially and and everything that went with that but then that was sort of just in that went on to explain some of the things we knew just about the the tangible of his bears career But that wasn't the bulk of the article, man. That wasn't the bulk of the story. The bulk of the story was about his struggles off the field and just being a young football player, all the dreams. And I was talking to you, you know, just coming out of the the draft about the, the dreams associated with making it in the National Football League and everything you go through and leading up to that period in your life. And, how that affected him, but then also just trying to nurture his family and the struggles of his mom and his brothers and losing his brothers and everything that went with that. And, you know, even lost another brother since he submitted this to the Players' Tribune just in recent weeks here. And just the story of the travails that have followed him throughout his NFL journey. And, I mean, you know it as well as anyone, both in in covering sports and covering entertainment like you've gotten to and being around folks so much over the years that, you know, when you see celebrity in a in a public light and there's an assumption there that things must be perfect, you know, in that person's private life and you never know the struggles that, that someone is going through, that their loved ones are going through, the trauma that can be associated with their family life everywhere else. And, you know, it it, it you never got the sense publicly that Tariq Cohen was like, you know, wearing a frown whenever he would address the media or anything like that. And it, it just it goes to show what people can can try to can look to persevere through Whilst yet and still you, you never have an idea of what those personal struggles that someone can be dealing with, whatever demons may be there within themselves or their loved ones that can be affecting how. They try to go about completing their craft. man. it's just for anyone who hasn't read it yet, it's just a, a really, really gripping read about Tariq Cohen's life up to this point at the PlayersTribune.com. I think, as a, from a fan's
5: perspective, we often look at these players as just another number that comes on our team and tries to contribute. And more often than than not, we put in the back burner their personal lives. And to get a glimpse into his and see what he's gone through over the last years. It really says a lot about his character and it gives you a a better understanding of Tariq Cohen, the player. And I'm glad that he did that. Therapeutic for himself, but also for so many others that not necessarily dealing with the same thing, but struggles nonetheless and Mm -hmm. leading by example on how to tackle those things and, and talk about it so that that way it doesn't bog you down like it has so many others. And before he got injured, Tariq, I mean, let's be honest, he did an incredible job for the Chicago Bears being the quote-unquote gadget guy for his team. And in six minutes, we're actually going to be talking to Jacob Infante and ask him if the um, Chicago Bears' new draftee, Valus Jones Jr., can fill that Swiss Army Knife role and be what the offense, if he can be what the offense needs. We'll talk to Jacob Infante right after this. I'm Gabriel Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. This is 670 The Score.
0: Call from mom. Answer it
3: well you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds what could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs advertise with Odyssey visit ads.odyssey.com
6: I do believe I'm a different type of player I'm a unique type of player and there's not many people especially in this draft this past um, this um, past draft we just had that have my skill sets and that can do what I can do. Bayless
5: Jones Jr. talking about his skill set and what he's going to be bringing to the Chicago Bears. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. And joining us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, is Bears writer and podcaster for the Windy City Gridiron as well as NFL draft analyst at the Draft Wire, Jacob Infante. Are we putting too much pressure on Valus Jones Jr.? I feel like the Bears fan base is, is saying to himself, well, this guy's got to be Debo Samuel, Terry Cohen, uh, you know, all these guys mixed into one, and he's going to be the guy to, I don't know, get Justin Fields to that next level. Do you feel the same way about Bayless Jones?
4: Those, those Debo Samuel comparisons, I believe, are a little bit of a stretch. I think that a lot of fans look at that and they say, oh, here's this you know thickly built explosive guy who can make plays after the catch. He is Debo Samuel. I don't necessarily believe that's the case, but I do think he's someone who should be able to contribute and carve out a niche for himself in this offense. You're looking at someone again, he's got legit four three speed and you get the ball in his hands. He's elusive, he's tough. I think that he's gonna get a lot of touches. I think that with where the Bears are at right now, I don't think their long term wide receiver one is currently on the roster. Mm. I think that uh Darnell Mooney is you know a very talented and capable receiver. He's someone I believe can stick around to with his team in the long run. But I don't think there's a true wide receiver one. And I'd love for Valis Jones to prove me wrong. I'd love for Mooney to take that next step or anyone else on the roster. But I think Velas Jones is more of a complimentary piece going forward. I think that uh, just given where their offense is at right now, he might be manufactured some more touches. But I think more often than not, he's probably going to be a wide receiver two, three sort of guy going forward.
6: What do you think we can sort of glean from the previous stops that Luke Getze has had? The fact that he he hadn't called plays in the NFL before, but he's been around the block in Green Bay and at multiple collegiate stops. So what sense do you feel we have right now for what exactly this offense will look like with Luke Getze calling the plays?
4: So that's something that I'm genuinely interested in seeing as the preseason goes on, as the regular season goes on, being able to see exactly what Luke Getze's offense is. And truth be told, we won't know exactly what that's going to be, but given the stops he's had, I believe there's going to be a lot of influence from, uh, from Matt LaFleur, a lot of influence from the Shanahan tree in general, uh, some Joe, Joe Moorhead-inspired uh, elements in that offense, uh, having spent time under him earlier on in his career. Uh, I think that's certainly a possibility. So I'd expect more wide zone in terms of a run game perspective, maybe blend those concepts a little bit, maybe a little bit of power, but wide zone, especially I think movement is going to be huge for these offensive linemen. Uh, I'm expecting the passing attack to be a lot more vertical too, because in just watching what we've seen at Green Bay, especially uh, Aaron Rodgers isn't afraid to throw the deep ball and they've been able to, Taylor made that offense to be able to take advantage of that. Justin Fields is a very good deep ball thrower. Didn't have a lot of opportunity to do that last year, uh, and I don't know exactly how much he'll have to do it this coming season, but down the stretch, I think that that's something that's going to be unlocked as they continue to add receiver talent. I think the deep ball is huge. Uh, setting that up, maybe some short design passes to just manufacture touches for playmakers in space, but I'm excited. I think that get the Uh, By all accounts, he's a young, up-and-coming guy. Worked under some of the best. So I'm really interested in seeing what his offense has in store.
5: Jacob Infante joining us here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabriel Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. Continuing with Getzee in the Chicago Bear offense, I'm going to the text line, and I made a comment about Cole Komet in our opener, Ant. And somebody texted in from 630, stop the nonsense of Komet going to develop into a legit weapon for Fields. That soft serve ice cream baby boy will never be anything. Whoa, Jacob. Maybe excuse me. Maybe it's my maybe it's my Homer heart where I I feel as though Cole Komet is going to continue to you know make strides and, and be a, a pivotal part of this offense. But we didn't necessarily. We've seen a revolving door of tight ends in Green Bay over the years. No one that necessarily stood out do you feel Komet can carve out his role or is he, oh, excuse me, let me read this again, soft serve ice cream baby uh, soft, baby boy?
4: <laughs> uh, I wouldn't go as far to say that about Cole Komet. Uh, <laughs> honestly, if I did and he heard that, it probably right. wouldn't end up very well for me. But I'd say that looking at Cole Komet, I think the ceiling isn't, in my, at least in my opinion, it's not much higher than what we've already seen from him. I see someone who's able to Serve as that security blanket, someone who's able to be, you know, that second read, that third read. If the the play doesn't develop, then you can just throw it to Komet uh, short of the sticks or, you know, just an intermediate type of throw. Get him the ball. I don't think he's the type of guy who's going to be able to uh, consistently separate against man coverage. I just think that he's a little bit stiff in terms of his hit fluidity. But I I think there's a solid tight end there. I think that as long as Bears fans, don't have the mentality of, oh, this guy's supposed to be a star, then I think they'll start to appreciate Cole Komet a little bit more. Is that type of role, is that worth like the early second-round pick that they took with him? I'm not sure. I think that's something you could certainly debate. I'd lean towards no. But Komet's a solid player. He's not great. He's not bad. He's solid. He's definitely the best player, the best tight end the Bears have right now and i think he'll i think he'll have some sort of role for sure and whether he sticks around long term remains to be seen but i think that at least for this year next uh he'll play a, a decent role uh in this bears offense
6: saw so, uh, a tweet you had just a, a few days ago basically saying that you feel like you're three will be the breakout year for justin fields so how, how do you think that that ends up relating to what what's a fair expectation with where the new regime is at and trying to reshape this roster and and frankly just where the talent is and or isn't that that will be surrounding him seemingly this coming season on offense
4: definitely so when i i say that i think year three for justin fields is going to be the year i look at that with a lot of different lenses i look at okay, this is going to be Justin Fields' second year, presuming that they don't turn things over, which, you know, that would be insane in my opinion. But year three, second year in an offense, they're going to have a lot more money to spend. They're going to have a lot more draft capital. They have a first-round pick next year. And second and third, they'll be able to surround him with weapons. They'll be able to make some moves in free agency once more of that dead cap clears because they're saving a lot more money – With the Khalil Mack move, they're spending eating a lot of money with that trade this year. And then down the stretch, that's going to free up. It's going to free up a lot of other players. And I think there's going to be a lot more talent brought in. And I think Fields is going to continue to develop. I still believe he can be a franchise quarterback. I still have firm, unwavering belief that he can be the guy for Chicago. And rookie year was a bit rocky, but I still have a lot of faith. The flashes that I've seen were really good, and I don't know necessarily if it's going to come together this year, just because there's, you know, it's a first-time play caller, first-time head coach, a lot of these weapons that he's going to be throwing do don't have a ton of NFL experience as true starters. But I think down the stretch, year three is probably when to I'd expect the Bears to be a true playoff contender. I mean, so much can happen between then and Dan Barrett. Uh, ultimately, that's when I'm expecting things are really going to turn around.
5: He's Jacob Infante, Bears writer and podcaster for Windy City Gridiron. You can follow him on Twitter, jacobinfante Infante24. Tomorrow, between seven and nine o'clock, Anthony and I will be back on the air talking about the schedule that is about to be released. Make sure you join us for that. Now, Jacob, the Bears were six and eleven last year, obviously towards the bottom of the um, of the, the the NFC North. Some would say we're going to have a favorable schedule. Do you expect the Bears to win more games or less games than they did last year?
4: See, and this is really tough because 6-11, and 11, uh, it, you can really go either way and you'll still be in the general same spot. Is it cheating if I say push? No. <laughs> no, I'm a gambling man, Jacob. That sounds great to me. Push, you get your money back. I love that. Of course, yeah. So I'd say push just because, yeah, I think that the schedule, at least on paper, seems to be a bit easier in the grand scheme of things. It's not nearly as competitive, but this team is still pretty far away. Can you consider some of the talent that's left on both sides of the ball and the weaknesses they still have? I mean, I I was a fan of the haul that they had in the draft. I think the secondary is going to be much better. But up front, you know, you don't have Khalil Mack. You don't have Akeem Hicks. Bilal Nichols, Eddie Goldman, that's a lot of losses. Mm. So ultimately, yeah, I think that this team probably won't do much better, if better at all. I'd say 6-11 and 11 again, but I'm, I'm interested in seeing how the schedule turns out, just simply because some of those games down the stretch, it can be an opportunity for, say, if the Bears don't have a lot of great competition in those, say, last three, four weeks, then – that's an opportunity for Justin Fields to build something heading into that new year for him to look like a true superstar. So I I'd say six and 11, uh, I could see them going either way, five and 12, 10 and seven or seven and 10 rather jeez, But I think that ultimately uh, just they'll be around the same spot as they were this past year.
6: I find myself looking at this bears defense and, and factoring in it everywhere. Matt Eberflues has been as a defensive coordinator, his defenses tend to stop the run they sure take the ball away, so there's no reason to think that that won't continue to be the case here this coming season and throughout the time he's here as the Bears' coach. But that being said, I do find myself concerned about whether at up front, the, the depth on the D-line, especially on the interior of things, and you know, as much focus as we have on like the lack of playmakers uh, on offense in the draft, they did at least focus on O-line, but they, they're still pretty thin up front on defense. Is that something that concerns you or do you think that'll just be able to to piecemeal that together with some additional veterans?
4: So yeah, that is something that does worry me a bit. That was never, at least in my opinion, that was never going to be a number one priority for this team, at least in this off season, just because with so many holes on the offensive side of the ball and the way their secondary looked, you're gonna have to improve those. But ultimately I do think that the defensive line isn't bad. It's not great, though. I think Justin Jones uh, will fit into a solid role. You have some good rotational guys with, like, Mario Edwards, Kyrus Tonga, uh, Angelo Blackson. So there, it's not like there's not talent there. It's just a matter of who's the alpha guy there, who's the top guy, who's going to consistently step in and stop the run. I don't know if they have that right now. I think the three technique is very important for the Eberflus defense, and as defense heavy, at least early on as the draft was, I think that we're not going to see the full effects of the Eberflus defense until at least 2023 just because I think Justin Jones can be a solid starter. I don't know if he's the pivotal three technique that this Bears defense needs. I'm hoping I'm wrong. And I wish him all the success in the world, and I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. I think that there's still some talent that needs to be addressed and brought in down the stretch. But I don't think that's something that's really going to be fixed uh, this year.
5: Jacob Invante joining us right here on 670 to Score, and I love that he ends like he, you know, it's like a teacher or a boss. They say something bad, but then they're like, "But I hope you prove me wrong. I hope you let <laughs> yeah. me know otherwise." Yeah. I love that. Listen, I'm a, a little bear little fan. A of hope, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I love it. I love it. <laughs> let me talk to you. I mean, obviously, you're talking about the run, and I feel like you guys are bringing up some great points, right? We've had some run stuffers over the last couple of years, so you're questioning who is not. Yeah, you're questioning who is going to be that alpha in that space. One of the guys that did a phenomenal job on the run and rushing the passer was robert quinn and knows one of my favorite players uh-huh. there's been ru- not rumors but suggestions that maybe he's somebody that you can move to get some capital or some other bodies in the building it, do you see that being a possibility or would, would you do that specifically jacob you would you move robert quinn to get some some assets in return or is that someone that you would allow to remain on this team to see how he fits in with the ibra defense
4: So I'd consider it. I wouldn't rush to it necessarily because, again, with a player of his caliber coming off of such a good season like he is, I mean, you can't just trade him for the sake of trading him. I think that if the right deal comes along, you definitely have to consider it because, look, if you trade him in 2023, then the Bears, at least if it's a post-June 1st trade, then the Bears are saving $14 million in cap space next offseason. That's a lot of money that they can use to fill a lot of positions. So with that in mind, I think, yeah, you consider it. If someone offers a third-round pick, I think that's that's something you have to take, at least in my
1: opinion, because
4: you have Robert Quinn. He's a very good football player coming off of a great year. But was that 2021? Is that – sustainable going forward he's an older guy he's had some injuries in his past is he going to be able to to keep up that level of play I don't know I I mean I want him to most certainly but I think there's valid reason for concern there I think that teams who are in contending opportunities can look at Quinn and say all right he's a little expensive but he's a really good pass rusher and we don't have to give up a ton for him so I think the Bears would be wise. If someone offers a third rounder, I take it. Uh, realistically, an early fourth, I think, might be a better fit. And I know that might disappoint some Bears fans because, you know, you have a Pro Bowl edge rusher. That's going to be a round one, round two pick. But realistically, when you consider, you know, he's had some ups and downs in his career. Uh, you're taking a bit of a risk there taking on that contract at that age. So I, I think round three, round four is probably the best you can get for him. But, not rushing into it. It's just something I'd consider.
5: Jacob, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Appreciate your time and your insight on our Chicago Bears.
4: Absolutely. Thank you guys for having
5: me. Bears writer and podcaster for Windy City Gridiron, as well as NFL Draft Analyst at the Draft Wire. You can find him on Twitter, Jacob Infante24. I love that. I think you're right, right, Ant? I mean, listen, I love him. You know that. But <laughs> the Bears are in a sell-high mode, right? Yeah. It's like you have an yeah. asset here, and he— you, you you cannot bank on the fact that he will duplicate the success of last year. So if you can, like you mentioned, get that third round. I don't know. What what does fourth round feel like to you?
6: Well, the thing is, right now where the Bears are at, they've, they've probably recouped about as much financially as Ryan Poles could hope to as far as just clearing cap space for next year. They've done plenty of work on that. They're, they're going to have – nothing but cap space for next season, for 2023. But for this year, I do think it's still important to be able to field a competitive team. You know, you want a couple of playmakers out there on the field. So there's no reason to think Roquan Smith won't be around. You you know, you got on the back end with Jalen Johnson at one corner and then, you know – see what you can you're not gonna be able to trade eddie jackson right now even if you wanted to but maybe you try to see uh, obviously the goal for matt eberflus and and alan williams will will be to see if they can get some sort of return to greatness for eddie jackson uh back to what he was a few seasons ago but up front right now robert quinn is really your your main playmaker that's available up there and so if you're going to give that up you would want to get a good return so i think a lot of the work on sort of you know accumulating cap space for next season is basically done. If you're going to trade Robert Quinn at this point, in my opinion, you need to be getting a haul in return for that. And who knows, you know, if another team with a key edge rusher, you know, loses a guy and feels like that they're, they're a pass rusher away from like a true Super Bowl contender, then that guy could potentially be Robert Quinn. So I wouldn't close the book on it just as we sit here and discuss it for the moment. But I think the the Bears need to – they will likely be better served by just waiting to see if they catch someone in a situation they could take advantage of. I don't think they need to be in a rush to move on from Quinn right now because, frankly, he's, he's in a position where he can still at least contribute to wins, which wins mean development sure. for Justin Fields, even though Robert Quinn's on defense. I think a quality defense puts your young quarterback in your offense that's you know not really deep with playmakers. It keeps your offense in a stronger position if you have a defense that can keep you in games.
5: He's Anthony Heron. I'm Gabe Ramirez. We will be discussing the Chicago Bears tomorrow from 7 to 9 as the schedule gets released and I tell you guys how the Bears are going to go 17 and 0. Nah, just <laughs> uh, But I will. I'll, I'll tell you how, but I, it's not probably not going to happen.
6: We have but I hope they prove me so wrong. Much of This excitement <laughs> on the schedule release over the years, man, and folks get really, really amped up about it. Like, we know, we know the combatants. We know the opponents. <laughs> then we're going to find out what order they're going to face them in. And I got Danny Parkins. He's got his sources here in the city. <laughs> like, where I think he's hoping to break something during the day on how it's all going to play out. Have outside. you heard him
5: talking about us? It's so funny hearing him talk. He- he's just like why are they getting the the schedule release show when really? i'm the one with the inside information <laughs> and i was like dude call up the show you could be our first guest <laughs> i love it uh all right so, well that's going to be happening tomorrow between seven and nine o'clock and on the other side of this commercial break there it is the anniversary of an epic sports moment that happened Ooh. here in chicago and it has to do with the Chicago White Sox. What is that moment? And what's Ant's reaction to this whole thing? We'll find out after this. Skate Ramirez, Anthony Heron on 670, the score.
0: When he dove into the seats and he and he hit his his lower lip and chin on, on a, uh, an un, uh, unforgiving uh, metal seat. Uh, so now, Hawk decides he's just going to leave the booth. And he doesn't tell me or anybody else. He just says, you know, i got to go down and check on him. This is on the air and I'm... <laughs> i'm looking at him he he folds up his, his scorebook and he just leaves the booth well you know i'm the only one in there so quite obviously i'm going to take over for that so that was one thing and and it took uh, you know a long elevator ride to get from in in uh in arlington stadium to get from the booth down into the lower level and then get to the clubhouse which he did but i'm, I'm starting to wondering you know Every team has their team doctor, and they have a couple of trainers. They have a few of the medical people around. And I'm wondering, when Hawk goes down there, what exactly is he going to do? Stitch him up if he needs it. Is he going to hold his hand? Is he going to tell him to rub some dirt on it and suck it up, pal? I mean, I don't know exactly what he's going to do, but I do know that he was gone for a little bit longer than he probably could have been.
6: That moment was on the Dan Bernstein Show on a Layla Wednesday here this morning on Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score the sixth anniversary of (laughs) Ken Hawk Harrelson. Literally, my favorite word of the evening, literally walking out of the broadcast booth on his partner Steve Stone (laughs) to go down to the field and check on Todd Frazier after Frazier got injured, smacking his face into some metal seats when he was diving in, trying to get a ball that had gone towards the side of the (laughs) playing field. Gabe Ramirez, I had a a similar scenario to this Uh, at one point few years back i was calling an arena football game on on cbs television on the main broadcast network the arena bowl i was calling this game with andrew catalan If folks still here you know he calls nfl games calls college hoops ncaa tournament and everything to uh, turning into one of the one of the more utilized broadcasters for cbs sports andrew and i were calling the arena football championship game the arena bowl and in the midst of that week leading into the arena bowl broadcast there in orlando the arena football league had announced that the LA kiss, were going to be joining the arena football league, Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley of kiss fame. And so there were a bunch of promotions that were going on there on site in Orlando. And so there was a bunch of guys running around in kiss makeup. We were supposed to interview Gene and Paul during the second half oh, of wow. the game live on the air. What ends up happening like during the second quarter of the game though, is that some bit and Gene Simmons is a big dude, by the way, like, he's, at least my height, oh, wow. and fairly thick also. So some dude in a like full Kiss regalia, and anybody who's seen Kiss, I'm sure most folks listening know, they do the full makeup, they do like leotards, giant boots. So there's some behemoth in full Kiss regalia who starts to walk towards the broadcast booth. It's me and Andrew, and then there's like a spare headset that's over there. Dude just walks into the booth, and while we're live on the air on CBS calling the championship game for the Arena Football League, some guy in kiss makeup walks into the booth and just grabs one of the headsets and begins to put on the headset as though he's about to talk during the play. So I got to put my hands on this guy. So I start to shove him out of the booth. He looks very shocked that I'm stopping him from just walking in right. the booth live on television talking on the air. So I I take my headset off. And the dude's bigger than me. And he's wearing platform heels in full kiss makeup. (laughs) I shove him into the hallway and ask him what the bleepity bleep he's doing. What's going on? Because I'm working as an executive for the league at this point as well while I'm calling the game. He tells me that the owner from the Orlando team told him to come up here and start talking on the air. Because it did cross my mind for a second. I had met Gene and Paul a few times before that. But again, it's a big dude in kiss makeup. It took me a moment to think. Is this Gene Simmons? Am I accosting right, Gene Simmons right, right, right now? I very quickly realize after I get the guy in the hallway, okay, this definitely is not Gene Simmons. This is just some boob who's been sent up to the booth oh, by the Orlando owner because the Orlando owner thinks this is going to be like great publicity. Because he's a boob. Exactly. <laughs> Let's send some actor up to the booth to get on TV live while we're on the air. So it's me and some other dude who's even bigger than me in the hallway while I'm shoving this guy off. I got to hop on my cell phone, call the the AFL commissioner, the Orlando owner. So I leave Andrew Catalan live on the air. Calling the (laughs) arena football championship game for a good, like, 90 seconds to two minutes while I'm in the hallway with what appears to be some pro wrestler in a, in kiss makeup and a leotard while I'm trying to figure out what the bleepity bleep is going on with him. So I did have my, my Hawk Harrelson-esque moment myself. I love it. Ago. You know, usually I'm the guy that has to step in in those
5: moments, you know, because <laughs> we try to be professional, but we're about that life, so it's like, what you're not going to do is that because everybody else is looking around scared, but we're the ones that don't mind. So, I, I, kudos to you. And I, that's why I love doing shows with you because I know that can happen. Oh, man. It was surreal.
6: It uh, was surreal, sadly.
5: Bet MGM is coming up next, right here on 670, The Score. Want to give a big thank you to our guest, Scott Merkin, White Sox beat writer for MLB.com. And of course, Jacob Infante, Bears writer and podcaster for Windy City Gridiron. Want to send a thank you as well to our producer extraordinaire, Tyler Butterball. And of course, you. Ant Heron for hanging out today. We will be together tomorrow, 7 to 9 o'clock, talking about this Chicago Bears schedule and what that looks like, so make sure you're here for that. Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, this is 670. The score BetMGM tonight is up next. All
4: right. Well, see you later.